No more money. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 80 for the week of April 23rd, 2012. I am Precision Backlash Timepiece David T. Cole, and I'm here with son of Mike and Louise, Joe Reed. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Stiff Housekeeper, Tara Ariano. Hey! And Bathtub Cupcake, Richard Lawson. I'm quirky. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Hello. Welcome to our first-time guest, uh, Richard Lawson. Hello. Illumina- uh, illuminary? Is that a word? Luminary. 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 Yeah. Illuminary is... Illuminati. I was going to say... Uh, well, shh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about We're that. We're all dead. Uh, the Atlantic Wire Zone, Richard Lawson. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks very happy me. you could be with us today. I'm very excited. Long-time listener, first-time podcaster. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And you are the lucky uh, person who gets to be here when we finally break our silence Uh-oh. about the HBO series Girls. Uh oh. What's now? What is this show? I, I haven't heard anything about it. Is, um, is it. It's about girls. Oh, okay. Not interesting. Very specific types of girls. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, Lena Dunham's got a show. Mm-hmm. Everybody's watched it. Joe is mad about it. Joe is mad about it. Joe is getting in scraps on Twitter this week about it. And it's like, I should be over it. I should be over it. Mm -hmm. I am kind of over it. I think at this point, like, we're kind of the last word on it in that... Everyone's now that done it's, talking about it. Everybody's done talk, you know, talked it out. And I feel like once a show premieres, that's the easiest way to get people to stop talking about it because it's like, okay, well, now we'll move on to whatever the next thing is. Hopefully, Veep will get some chatter. Mm-hmm. It's certainly yeah. not going to get the amount of chatter that girls did. Right. Um, I guess there's no point in explaining what girls is because everybody probably knows about it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, for. Children of privilege. Yeah. Well, living in the Brooklyn. performers are, and I guess the 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 characters are too, more or less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we have, they haven't really delved into the backgrounds of the other uh, girls, but they all seem to be and of Joe, the be same fair, social circle. Two in Brooklyn, two in Nolita. <laughs> that yeah. is true. Yeah, it's only, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You just invalidated really your entire that. argument. God. <laughs> Every time I think I have it watertight and it's just gone. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Joe and I and Dave did not care for it, but Richard, you did. Tell us, I, I t- did tell us why. Um, I, well, I think I had gone into it really expecting to despise it just because of like, you know, the whole celebrity scion angle mm-hmm. and... Um, you lay this out in your review, which we'll link in the show notes. Oh, perfect. But, um, but you feel free, to, feel free to re- recap it anyway. Uh, yeah, basically, so I had gone in with a lot of anger. And, you know, because I'm, I'm a famous person, I had met Lena before. And <laughs> she wasn't that nice to me. And, oh, um, fuck her. Yeah, yeah, we, like, read at this, like, thing together. And I saw her, like, later at some party. And I was like, I liked her thing. And she was, had no idea who I was. And I was like, we were just in the same room together. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I had all these kind of like preconceived bullshit like things that like I thought would make me hate the show. And mm-hmm. then I don't know. I, I, I got like screeners for work and I watched the first three episodes and f- somewhere between, you know, like by the end of the first one, I found myself like kind of laughing and like I, it's a lot more of a it's a lot like subtler of a show. And it's like it's less like trying to be iconic than I thought it was going to be. Like, mm-hmm. I think that people have assigned a lot of this, like, it's about Brooklyn and it's about this right. to it that isn't really quite there when uh, in, in the actual material. I had a, just a side crackpot theory about it, which I think is kind of brilliant, whoever came up with the title, that they stuck with it. Yeah. Because I think that by calling it girls, it gives it so much more weight than it would if they just called it, you know... Ladies of Brooklyn or something well, like right, that, right? right? Or just, like, having fun in the city. Off the L. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. well, it calls for all of this, you know, talk about what it says about this generation and yeah. women and that sort of <laughs> bigger, broader themes. And maybe like, more right? than it deserves. Yeah. yeah. But certainly, I feel like when people talk about, like, well, she's, you know, she's not supposed to be trying to stand in for, you know, everyone. It's like, well, then don't call your show girls, <laughs> like, if you don't want to do that. Right. Um but I don't know. I think the specificity of it, I did like. I like how shows can get, don't have to be universal in actual plot. Like, you can just get to the universal through specific people. My biggest problem with the show is that I just don't buy her. I don't mm-hmm. buy her character. I think she's so affected. I think she's so 
on all the time and just so clearly playing a character like in her real life too like in at least like publicity appearances Mm -hmm. i just don't find her in any way authentic and not in a way that like is interesting for a show because i think allison williams is pretty natural as an actor them who can act yeah she's the surprise of that show for me like i was like oh i I really thought i was going to hate her the most and i kind of liked her the most i really like i definitely liked her the most Yeah. yeah Um, the Lena Dunham thing, like, the way that her, like, her character, I mean, if it's a character, who knows, like, um, do you know, like, James L. Brooks sometimes will write these things, like, like in his later movies, where it's, like, the sentences sound kind of good, but then you actually think about the words, and you're like, wait, <laughs> that says yes. nothing. I feel like a lot of, like, like the Lena characters, or the Hannah character, like, her, her a lot of her, her stuff, her kind of, like, adages, and the way she talks about her life, it doesn't actually mean anything, mm-hmm. and, like, it... I, I am trying to think of a specific example, and it's like my head is empty right now. But like, um, there's there's just these, there are just these moments where it's like we're supposed to kind of nod our heads and be like, yeah, I remember that. And it's like, no, I don't. Re- no one <laughs> remembers that because that's not a way that people are. Yeah, I don't know. And I think there's a lot of well, you're not supposed to find her sympathetic. Yes. Yeah. Which I guess I agree to a point, but I think there's this whole thing that a lot of people aren't quite talking about which is that we're not supposed to find the things that she does objectively good mm-hmm. but we're supposed to want to watch a show about her and we're supposed to like you know hope she pulls her shit together and like i still feel like she that character is supposed to be somebody we're ultimately supposed to find funny in a way that we're going to want to watch or mm-hmm. like cute or something yeah and so this whole you know sort of hiding behind well She's not supposed to be, you know, admirable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I entirely agree with that. Um, I, I don't think that she is. And I certainly don't have a problem watching shows about, you know, right. disagreeable people doing right. unpleasant things. Yeah. Like Breaking Bad or right. It's mm-hmm. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right. But, but I think those shows come by it honestly. To me, that whatever. The issue for me is those things and those people need to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And this is not interesting to me. Yeah. Like, I don't find anything about this this character's struggle that compelling, particularly. And I know that they make a point of having her parents read the read what what there is of her memoir right. in giant quotation marks. Yeah. And then they we have the scene where they tell her it's good. Yeah. And so we're supposed to think that, you know, it's worthwhile. It's, it's worth rooting for her because she might amount to something at some point. Right. But anyway, play the clip. This is a little long, but this sort of, it, it, it dovetails nicely into what my ultimate reaction to the show was. Okay. All I am asking for to finish this book is $1,100 a month for the next two years. That's, That's insane. You would say it's insane. Who can live in New York on $1,100 a month? But I am so committed to this book that I am willing to get pretty thrifty on this. Why don't you get a job and start a blog? You are so spoiled. Yeah, well, whose fault is that, Mom? Your father's. You know, this is making me so <laughs> unhappy. I'm having such a horrible feeling. Oh, we're not Wamu, Hannah. And the least you can do is sit up straight and... Hannah. She falls because she's high. Hannah. I shouldn't have taken it, taken. but I was just having such a bad day. Taken what? What did you take? Is she sick, Tad? Do I need to call the hospital? I think she may be high. It's legal, oh like God. flowers. I'm not going to be angry, Hannah. All right, I'm just really curious. What did you smoke? It's opium pot. It's like a tea of opium pot. I should oh, Google that. I don't need to Google that. I know about that. It's tantamount to smoking banana peels. For Christ's sake, let's just order her a coffee. Coffee's for grown-ups. You're going to drink a strong cup of coffee. I'm 24 years old. Don't tell me what to do. Well, this is a real display. No, this is the immediate result of a cold approach. You can't just pull the rug out from under her so suddenly. We should stay a few more days. Look, I, I admire your kind heart. I really do. But you're getting played by a major fucking player. I know, but it's hard for me to watch her struggle. Oh, my skirt feels so tight. Maybe you could just cut it open with a scissor. It's like watching her get her shot. Shots keep people from getting sick. Well, <laughs> I want a lake house. I, I work hard. I, I want to sit by a fucking lake. You deserve a die like Flaubert and a garret. Don't look at me. So... The the way I can tell that I'm old and that I'm not the target demographic <laughs> for the show is that 
her mother, who's Lorraine, who's played by Becky Ann Baker. Thank is God the, for her. If this is a satire, to me, she's the norm of the satire. Sure. Right. And yeah. she's the only character who I was rooting for and who yeah. I wanted to get what she wants, yes. which is a fucking break from this <laughs> asshole child. Right. And I do buy that her father was the more indulgent one. Like, I do think yeah. they do a good job of, of establishing he's the problem and he has yeah. made her whatever she is now. Yeah. I need Becky Ann Baker in way more things. She's so, she's so fantastic. Take, I love her. Taking out the drug aspect of that, mm-hmm. I made a very similar argument to my parents when I was probably 12 <laughs> about, right. about the benefits of getting a Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> and I remember trying to sell them on the lie that it was an add-on module for the Commodore 64, which I had, and somehow mm-hmm. it would make it better, and I would learn more. Didn't know what Nintendo was at the time. Did it work? Did it work? Uh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> your parents wanted you to grow up with character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with that, with the like you were saying, Tyler, with the the Becky, uh, like the, the the mother scene, like where she's like, you know, just get a fucking job. It's like, oh, you just solved the show in the first episode, right? You know? <laughs> right. Like, uh oh, oops. Like, oh, then we just gonna put her, you know, put the mom away because she's kind of speaking truth here, right? Um, yeah. That it was like, I mean, I think it was gratifying to hear. That obviously, because we were kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah. But like, I guess the going f- past that is is difficult, right? You know? um, because then you're like, oh well, we already kind of know that she's a jerk because she's been told that she's a jerk, and she. So we're just going to keep watching her be a jerk, right? Yeah. Well, I guess I just don't know where the show can go from here then, because you know, people in the audience are either going to empathize with the idea that like I have something to say. I want to figure out how to say it. Yeah. I don't want to compromise my own ideas or right. my own personality in order to get to that point, and yet. Other than a tiny minority of artists, everyone has to compromise to get to the place that they want right. to be. Mm-hmm. So well, I assume the journey of the show is going to be her figuring that out by yeah, way of yeah. getting some terrible dumb job, well, like I mean, we all have to do. Yeah. But again, the question becomes, how interesting is that to watch if she's just going to be whining and dragging her feet the whole time rather than just like fucking sack up Well, and there are, what, what the rest of us did? There are plenty of shows where... The the characters don't get their shit together. Like a lot of the show sure. is about characters not getting their shit together. Yes, but I feel like asking us to follow a character who refuses to get her shit together mm-hmm. yet has the means to get her shit together. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. like that's t- that's frustrating mm-hmm. to, for me to tr- want to follow that. Yeah, I mean, I, I not to be this guy, but like I, I, you know, I've seen a couple more episodes of it, um, and he is our better. get out. Yeah, I know that's <laughs> terrible. Um, so, and it even in the next two, it kind of gets it, like it gets better. Like it's like mm-hmm. she's not like the issue of like this kind of like cut off from her parents. Like it's still it's still around, but it's right. like there's a really great scene. I, I think it's in the third episode where she interviews for some like job and it goes really well, and then she says one wrong thing, and it, like it's it's like one of those kind of like cringe comedy moments but like but like it 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 drops like i feel like they had to kind of go in big um on the pilot to be like you know to to for for the suits you know to be like oh it's this whole generational thing and like it's you know it's really honest and and then they kind of relax right um which is maybe i think why i took a like i i was a little bit fonder of the show than Mm -hmm. i thought i was going to be like Mm -hmm. um because i you know if you just watch the first episode i think it probably it does in in like as a a little separate entity it it feels like oh this is really annoying um but yeah it, it relaxes is i guess what i'm trying to say yeah i've seen i think the entire second episode i was sort of distracted as i was watching it so i can't yeah. say i actually saw it but i just remember from watching that how much how annoyed i was by the uh little mammoth character however oh. we pronounce oh. her first name joja or think yes yeah, yeah. um which seems to me like a lot of sort of cheap shots taken at predecessor series like sex in the city mm-hmm. and like that's her whole basic character arc in the first episode is like i'm the one who likes sex in the city right yeah that's um, a cheap joke and it's like it's a really it's, cheap yeah, joke like, and it's sort of like down. unnecessary because yeah. we're so far past sex in the city now in the culture anyway so it's yeah. sort of like kicking a dog when it's down mm-hmm. um but i mean i don't know i have issues with that actress in basically everything she's in i really don't care for her she's in not mad good. men she's not a good actor no. she, yeah she's i mean I, I guess I can see the appeal of her, but it's like I I, I actually kind of like her more on 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 Mad Men than I do on, on well, Girls. But I mean, I think better directors might be directing her. On <laughs> yeah, <Men>. truth. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to address too is that this whole idea and a lot of the criticism of the show, you know, the the positive reviews of it mm-hmm. talked about 
you said in your in your facetious tweet about its bravery. So brave, you guys. But which I don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. buy. But I think there is something here to be said about her creating this character. Who I mean, the the, the default sitcom mold has been dumb husbands and mean wives. Yeah. So the rare the the times that we see female characters, especially in a sitcom, who are not. Um, you know, like the radiant truth tellers, yeah, are rare. Yeah, so it, it. I mean, there is something to be said for having a character who's who's presented in an unflattering way. However, a few nights later, we watched um, Best Friends Forever, which I think does a similar thing with two characters who are both you know complicated and interesting, and and it's all about their friendship too. But um, to me, it's more successful. Can play the clip. Who's that? I don't know. Check the people. That's how Marky lost her face. Okay. It was like ding dong. <laughs> no face. What? What's going on? Joe's parents are here. I thought they were at a place. Hey, guys, we'll just be two seconds. Where are all these clothes? I just do the laundry. Who's the hell is this? Oh, God, Mike. Oh, the ball. The ball. I got it. Get the ball. I got it. in your areolas. Why <laughs> your areolas? I have a problem. I'm going to give you mine. Okay, okay. okay. No, there's no time. There's no time. <laughs> Jessica tries to take her bra off. The door opens. She's holding Hello? her breasts. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> there's another bit where Jessica's like, hello, I'm in Lennon. It's like, no. <laughs> it's, just, it's cut perfectly. Like, these are actresses who've worked together for a long, long time. Yeah, They're both yeah. from the UCB. They're friends in reality. Yeah. And obviously, this is a much more sitcom y kind of sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's trying to do something totally different. I get it. Yeah. But I was making this point to Dave while we were watching it, and Dave was like, was girls supposed to be a comedy? <laughs> I said, yes. And he went, oh. Yeah. Because, you know, there, later in the episode, there's a, there's another moment where Lennon gets caught trying to break into their apartment on the fire escape. And so she sends Jessica to the firehouse to go and bring help. And then Jessica's in her laundry day clothes. And she's like, okay, I'll go. But wait a minute. How do I make this outfit better? And Lennon answers her. Like, it's to me, it's just like, it's yeah. so much more. It's, it just works better. It's funnier. It's not so melancholy yeah. I mean I liked the first episode of that a lot I haven't watched the subsequent ones but it's a I really funny because show because I really really like that first and again episode. it's not like a zero sum game I get it if you like right. if you like girls that's fine yeah I'm, I'm not mad at you right unlike yeah. Joe but um, <laughs> it's just like to me the at the end of the pile and I hear you that it gets better but I, I, it's just it's it, it is not for me yeah. capital N capital F <laughs> capital M I wonder like I mean I I, I paid attention to a lot of the noise surrounding the show when it mm-hmm. was you know first premiered um but like i don't really remember like actually hearing from like a 24 year old woman who yeah. like you know like i feel like everyone was maybe kind of speaking for them a little bit yeah mm-hmm. um well 24 year old people probably don't have hbo well that's true that's a good point um so i don't know i'm like in in that like i'm almost like is it f- i don't know i don't even know if it's even for them you know it's right. just like it feels um yeah, like I feel like it's a little bit rudderless, like it or, or like it doesn't have like a home exactly. It's like mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I'll be I'll be curious to see like if it if it if it finds a niche audience and and what niche the, that is. The ratings know? for the first week were pretty low. Apparently. Yeah, no, they weren't yeah. great. But yeah. I think they were okay enough for HBO. For HBO, they were it, much it, higher than enlightened enlightened yeah. ratings. It didn't get the insta renewal of like, other HBO shows, but yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Enlightened's such a better show, too. Such a better show. I mean, again, apples and oranges with that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, but, yes. yeah. Yes. But again, this but is another horrible person doing interesting person. things that yeah, are exactly. compelling and exactly. that make sense and that you want to see what she's going to do next. Exactly. As to like, I feel like I know what you're going to do next, and it's boring. Right. Going from one topic to another, the appropriate segue makes it smooth as butter. All right, we are going to be talking about Cabin in the Woods. So right off the bat, I'm going to play our most important spoiler warning ever. Seriously, if you think you may see this movie, (laughs) uh, skip this segment. You will Uh, thank us Come revisit it later because it really is a movie that is dependent on you going into it. Knowing nothing. Knowing nothing. This okay. is ne- we have never had a spoiler warning this emphatic before, <laughs> ever. Guys, for real, we are not responsible for what happens to you if you do not heed the spoiler warning we are about to spoil you with. Spoilers ahoy. More spoilers ahoy. <laughs> spoilers ahoy. Get the fuck out. <laughs> All right, you have been duly warned. So we are going to now have Three, our spoilerific two, discussion. One, yeah. holy shit, you guys! <laughs> yeah. Cabin in the Woods is so good. It's yeah. really fun. It's really so really good. good. Yeah. 
the long gestating cabin in the woods. Oh my god! Sitting on a shelf, gathering dust for some reason for so long, and I don't for quite right understand. for rights reasons. Oh, is that as, as Richard explained earlier? Yeah, it's oh. like a, it was like the, when MGM collapsed. Oh, that's right. That was MGM one of the orphan. things. The okay. Collateral damage. That, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, uh, so wonderful, and I kind of almost like that it was delayed because it was like it maybe wasn't going to come out and then it did and then it was so good that it was it felt extra special well yeah because some anything that's on the shelf for that long even if it is like you said for rights reasons it still gets that sort of tarnish of oh yeah sitting on the shelf for that long um it's just so i think the interesting thing about the no spoilers thing is that it's not one twist right it's not like one thing the the Main thing that differentiates it from most horror movies <clears throat> is revealed in the first scene. Yeah, you see, it, it's, you see it's Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford in spoiler this premise. Yeah, right. like the whole concept. Well, to talk about like, it is a spoiler. Yeah, so like, well, yeah, and it's yeah. like, and it unfolds and it unfolds, and like everything is this interesting little take on the idea of sort of corporate horror, yeah. like corporate industrialized mm-hmm. production so of the, horror scenarios. So, why doesn't somebody explain the premise generally? Um, so. These five college students are going to one of their cousin's cabins. Right. They're warned on the way there that basically bad stuff is going to happen. Yeah. And we, it becomes clearer over, over the course of the movie that every aspect of their experience in this cabin is being governed by... Um, big horror. Big horror <laughs> yeah, right. by, yeah. by, these, by these agents who are, you know... Putting in and taking out various elements of to, to control what happens and to the them agents next. are in like a NORAD command center. It's sort of like the yes. in, because they're to to bring it back because it's from Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard who are Buffy mm-hmm. people. Yeah, it's, it's it's reminiscent of the initiative from season four of Buffy, right? right. With yeah. with a little bit of Wolf from and Hart from from Angel, yeah, yeah, in there yeah. Too. yeah. Um, and then as the movie progresses further, we realize that this isn't just. For shits and giggles, yeah. this is part of an, uh, a very elaborate um, Ritual. blood sacrifice, Lovecraftian, to keep to appease plot. the ancient ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I like that too because at the beginning, when you see that it's this, uh, like I said, this NORAD-like operation to engineer this, it seemed like it was going to take the suspense out of what was happening in the house because mm-hmm. you knew that everything was engineered and that there wasn't there was no opportunity to lose yourself in the premise of what's happening in the house. Yeah. But the smart thing that the movie does is that with this whole thing with like appeasing the ancient ones, all of a sudden everything that happens in command post has stakes. Right. And all of it, and mm-hmm. and then the two sort of halves of the story start to blend together yep. when like everything goes pear-shaped. Mm-hmm. And it's Really great, like yeah. really, like it's not the scariest horror movie you're ever no. gonna see. No, I asked Joe before I went because I saw it by myself. If yeah. I'd be too scared to see yeah. it alone, he said it was not any darker than the average Buffy episode, which it's not. It's just right. gorier, right? It is yeah. gorier, but it's yeah. not particularly more suspenseful or scary, right? And yeah. there's like an energy to even the scary scenes that it is, yes. is buoyant and it like yes, feels yes. Yeah. fun. It's fun, it's not, but yeah. exactly. but a horror aficionado is gonna love it because it's For sure. from yeah. the exact mentality of somebody who has seen every horror movie, right? Yeah. And it's and it, to me, it was like it's sort of a companion piece to Inception in the sense that both of them are about the experience of watching movies, except right. to me, this, whereas Inception was like, the, is a, about what it's like to be in the audience of a movie. This mm-hmm. is about what it's like to make a movie, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, And I don't think it's a coincidence that Sigourney Weaver's character is called the director. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, there, it's, yeah. but this is like turning a hor- the, the idea of the classic horror premise inside out to right. show like, why are they all the same? And then the idea being, oh, they're, they're all the sort of the same because they're all trying to achieve this. Yeah. This idea of keeping, you know, true evil at bay. Right. Well, and I like the fact that they have to chemically induce these kids to act the way that stupid kids in those kind of movies do. We're going to lock this place down. He's right. We'll go room by room, barricade every window and door. We've got to play it safe. No matter what happens, we have to stay together. And then some gas leaks out of the vent. Dumb gas. Yeah. This isn't right. <laughs> what? What's the matter? This isn't right. We should split up. We can cover more ground that way. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. Really? <laughs> 
But like the brilliant thing about doing that is you get to the parts where because the Fran Cran's character mm-hmm. is his weed makes him immune somehow. Right. I don't yes. know. They sort of like lost through that methods. Ever. Through Doesn't methods, matter. exactly. Um, but you can, and even with the other ones, their you know their better senses poke through every once in a while. So yes. it's like you can care about these people as characters. Like for you know five essentially you know nameless doofs mm-hmm. out in the cabin in the woods. You end up really caring about them because they're not just these stupid people making right. all the wrong decisions. Right. They, when they introduce the Chris Hemsworth character, it's like, oh, he's the dumb football player. And then he's like giving her tips. Well, yeah. These are the books yeah. you should read for yeah. your right. econ class. Right. And we find out he's on a full academic scholarship. Right. They're so and much the more interesting. And the other one, the horror girl, is yeah. like, no, she's pre-med. Like, yeah. she's yeah. not. You know, and they're all really likable in the yeah. In, yeah, in yeah. grand, like, yeah. Joss Whedon tradition. Like, they're, yeah. they're funny and they're, like, individuals and, yeah. And then, but it's at the same time, like, it's not... It's not like sad to see them die because right. it's like so. It's still fun, yeah. you know? and the yeah. plot is driving you forward. So you have to figure out like what is, yeah, what right. is going on here, right? And the, the the performances mostly. I'm thinking Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford are yeah. really really funny. Mm-hmm. But Frank Kranz does it goes basically through his entire dollhouse arc in this. <laughs> in that he starts off yeah. really really broad and mm-hmm. annoying, and then all of a sudden this sort of method of his where he gets to a place where you're really rooting for him and you really sort of see the heart behind that character. And it reminded me of like my like weird journey through with that character with Dollhouse where I just yeah. hated him so much in that first season. And he was so great in the second one. Um, and then, and like Amy Acker's really funny and yeah, sort of good. like, there's just, and I love the flashes to, to the, to the Japanese version. Oh of my this. God. I never laughed so, so hard in my oh life. Oh my God. And the great. resolution of it. Where yeah. it turns into a the little frog. So great. <laughs> and the school girls all holding hands. So funny. And it's, again, this is somebody who has seen so much J horror that right. like they're, they they know all the tropes. And but I, I think, also love. I the- think in that scene they show like a Scandinavian the Scandinavian version of it looked like it was might have been the thing. Oh. I was trying to figure out. I was trying to look at the other screens yeah. and to see what exactly uh, was going on there. They also have the big board when that's when the kids are in the basement and they have to choose their own fate basically. That was really good, yeah. And they're all yeah. looking at the ones like got like the puzzle sphere and. Uh, yes. And but they show the big board because all the people in the command center are taking bets as to uh, what in the, the basement. Be. There's all these trinkets and 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 gigas. And, and it's really like it's what, like a choose your own adventure. Yeah, of it what is. happens in a horror movie. And not only that, but like each of them is so like as soon as anyone picks up anything, or you think okay, this that you know how this goes. Like you right. don't put on the spooky necklace. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You yeah. don't play with the creepy jewelry box. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to do any more than that because right. again, if you've seen a horror movie, you know yeah. what what. And the I really enjoyed you know even though it was a giant signpost you know for a future thing i really enjoyed bradford uh um, Bradley, Bradley Redford as uh, you know disappointment after he picked up the conch. It's like oh, I just really want to so see close. a merman. Yeah, it was, <laughs> that pays off yeah. so well at the end of the it's movie. Like Chekhov's merman. Oh, oh like Chekhov's God, all so of his great. like all monsters. Yeah. Like, yes. yeah, But once you've seen the movie, go online. There's a fr- there's a freeze frame of that big board when they're taking the bets, and you can see all the different types of yeah. monster that there might be. And it's really funny in a really Joss Whedon way where they're just molesting tree, molesting tree. Yeah. And the one, my favorite one, which was the one I actually caught while I was watching the movie, it just said Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin. We do need to talk about Kevin. Oh, yeah. That kid um, is up to no good. And the design on my one, if I have one drawback with the movie, I feel like the budget showed in some of the CGI towards the end yes. with some of the more monstery things. Yeah, yeah. Joss Whedon has a thing with big snakes, and I get it. He yeah. likes to have a big snake. Sure attacking somebody it just mm-hmm. never ever. See, by the time good. the end of the movie rolled around, I was enjoying this so much on a you know, special Buffy episode sort of yeah. level yeah. that the special effect quality just seemed right. Uh-huh. Yeah. It could have been better, yeah, but it yeah. didn't seem oddly out of place, even with it sort of like... Yeah. It added know, to like the silly mayhem it yes. of it, yeah. you know? Yes. And the more practical stuff actually looked really fantastic. Like the Hellraiser looking guy looked yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. And the two... Uh, with the doll faces, mm-hmm. yes. the two or three people, whatever, with the doll faces, the like strangers, the strangers, mm-hmm. basically. I was yeah. convinced through all of that that I was going to catch some sort of Buffy Easter egg. So I was looking for. One. I looked. I looked through all the scenes. Like one room any. is just going to show up, and it's just Spike there, like. Right. <laughs> well, I, I went no online. No fucking scared of Spike. <laughs> I was convinced that there, there was one because yeah. it seems like, but it turns out it was a uh, Firefly. Thing. They had a oh. Reaver as one of the monsters. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a deep cut. Yeah. I. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie as sort of an explanation of horror films on that level. Yeah. And enjoyed the movie like as a note to M. Light Shyamalan and how you're supposed to do oh, a twist. Oh, yeah. Good point. You know, mm-hmm. like here's a movie where you don't have to sit through an hour and a half to get to the twist. And then you're like, okay, was it worth that 90 minutes or it wasn't? Here's right. something that gets going. 
you know, the, and it has like five twists. Well, not only, but but you know what we're talking about before, where the whole movie is the premise is a spoiler, and yes. that's the twist. Yes, it's just the starting point. It's yeah. not the end point. You right, know? right, right. <laughs> and uh, so that was refreshing. Yeah. And uh, it, it did so, in a, as you're saying, a very buoyant, joyous kind yeah. of fun, yeah. having, just having a ton of fun with it, yeah. right? And it just made it great to watch. Like, yeah, you yeah. had a shit-eating grin on my face the whole time. Yeah. yeah, I tried to get Dave to go, and he said... I thought I it was a horror movie. I thought it was going to yeah. be like uh, Teresa's or, or um, Saw or something like that. Teresa's. Or, Teresa's. Oh, Teresa's. I heard Teresa's too. She was on the big board too. (laughs) Teresa. The thing that that I loved about it, like, it just reminded me um, of, I mean, and we should, you know, I I kind of talk about Joss Whedon and it's like Drew Goddard, you know, too. um, Is like, but Joss Whedon, like, when he gets big, he just keeps going. Like, like the, the, what is the, that unaired episode of Dollhouse, the really good one. That's like oh, a, Epitaph one. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. like you're just like you have no idea how big the world is going to be that he's made, and then yeah. just, and you're like and like exploring like how you know gigantic it is. Like it's just like the last half hour of Cabin in the Woods. It's just like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yes. You know, yeah. and I just think it's so fun and it feels so original and it feels yeah. like he's not. He's like refreshingly not scared to yeah. like maybe yeah. like take a big risk like that, but it doesn't you know? yeah. feel like overreaching either. No, like it's no, all, it doesn't. It's very, it's it's big, but it's disciplined. Like I feel like he knows, he absolutely knows the border. Yes, even if we can't see it and yes. never yeah. see it, you know. Yeah. So Dave thought what was going to happen was they were going to have sex really quick. So I there thought that be might have been at the end. I thought there <laughs> oh. was some sort of loophole involving right. you know deverginization. But well, they even happen. had a nod to that when Sigourney Weaver's talking to them and she's t- explaining the archetypes and she gets to the virgin and the girl goes virgin and she's like we work with what we have yeah we work with what yeah. we have See, they have they kept dropping things like that yeah. through it too because yeah. when she's making out with jesse williams on the couch she says something similar where she's like i've never done well i've done some stuff right. but yeah like i thought it was going to turn out that he was the virgin oh and she was like just technically for, yeah. for the record their ending was better than what i thought was yes it happen. was yeah. yeah yes it was um or the, mine joe i also had just one quibble like as like joe um and that was the cre- the opening credits of this movie I thought were ill advised and I thought it gave away that there was something more to this movie than it just being a horror movie and it sort of played its hand that there was something afoot and the credits were all just basically like Aztec uh, glyphs about human sacrifice and stuff which really you know well, why am I watching something with Aztec right. pyramid glyphs at yeah. the opening credits of a you know Friday the 13th movie okay there's something else going on and I knew that there you know the only thing I knew about going in and then asterisk, wow, how did the internet keep this a secret from me? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Good Everybody's work. been on their best behavior with this yeah. movie, mm-hmm. I really feel like. And that, those credits, I thought, tipped me off that there was, a, you know, the world was bigger than, than what I thought yeah. it might be going into it. I kind of wish they just did a generic thing. I really enjoyed the, the title sequence where it was just like this generic suburban scene and then suddenly it's got yeah. into the woods. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. That was good. But the actual yeah. animation, and it kind of seemed like something that was farmed out and yeah. it was like, well, here's the concept of the movie, so maybe do something that's a little cutesy with it. And then I thought that was ill-advised. Right. Other than that, really really dug it as yeah. you all know because if you've listened this far you, you've, you've seen, seen it, seen it. <laughs> yes yeah. Yeah. and we are done talking about cabin in the woods very good now okay it is time for the canon and richard what have you brought for us this fine week um i brought an episode of the tragically short-lived uh judd apatow series undeclared nice tie-in to girls since he produced that as right well. exactly oh. yeah um and the episode i chose uh, while, while all are good um was the third episode um in judd apatow's chrono- chronology but the second episode that aired called um eric's visit and this is when uh jason siegel makes his first appearance on the show uh, and it's all, he's the, the boyfriend of one of the characters. So I guess that first clip kind of establishes. Yeah, he's, he's great. But, I don't know. What? Well, I've been going out with him since I was in 10th grade. And don't you think I should see what else is out there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you guys, you know, need a little break or something. You know, like, like Sting said, if you love somebody, set them free. Yeah. Okay, that's it. I'm going to break up with Eric tonight. Really? Yeah, but you better be around to support me afterwards because I am going to be a mess. Okay. Okay. 
So that's um, that's the, our, our lead character, Stephen, played by Jay Baruchel, uh, talking to Lizzie, the girl who lives on his floor and uh, who is dating this guy, Eric, who we have heard about but have not met yet. She is very suggestible. Yes, yeah. She's, <laughs> she, she's kind of this weird, like, um, she's a little bit of a of a doormatty kind of Apatow boy comedy creation. I mean, yep. she doesn't have a lot of motivation a lot of the time. Um, but the kind of joke of that scene is that Steven has kind of had the hots for her since he met her. And so, he, but he's like a sweet guy. So he's like trying to like, um, you know, gently encourage her to, to be single, but like doesn't obviously want to be, um, forceful about it. Right. Um, so, so then Eric does come visit and, uh, it's, uh, Jason Siegel again, and, and and it's it's this really great like introduction because again we've heard about him and she's so you know into him well like not so much in that scene but <laughs> and then he turns out to be this like total dweeb you know who like yep. works at a copy shop is yep. like kind of a townie um, works at a copy shop he just has that long kind of greasy Jason Siegel you know <laughs> turn of the century hair that he had and yeah. patchy facial hair. yeah patchy facial hair and he's just like gross in a way that's like hard to articulate like he's, he's been doctors gross yes. yeah yeah right yeah. and like, it's like it's great like, analogy yeah, like the scene when i think it's Lindsay sees jason siegel naked in uh freaks and geeks and she's just horrified more than anything else <laughs> it's that it's that kind of gross um anyway he's super yeah. needy like he's, he's, yeah. he showers her with with gifts that have his face on them right because oh he can God. make them yeah. at the coffee shop yeah there's coffee a pillow it's the kind of fa- the the famous one was this pillow where it's him lying and like Asleep, she would put her disgusting. head in a thought bubble so it's like him thinking of her yeah it's it, like it's it's like that kind of great borderline creepy jason siegel thing that he does yes um so yeah so he comes to visit and uh even though lizzie has said she's gonna break up with him they end up having sex and there's this great scene where um they're all just in the hallway hanging out and uh the door to lizzie's room opens and uh and eric walks out and you hear the faint strains of that D'Angelo song, you know, <laughs> what was like, well, I forget what it was called, but it was like, he's he, like, he's shirtless in the video. So it was just this like very like late nineties, early two thousands, like sex idea that like a, a college student would have, you know? Well, there's also yeah. that thing in another episode with that video where they play it on like, oh, right. in the, yeah. in the common room, yeah. every, it ends up always devolving into like a huge makeup. Out right. Party. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's just a great little moment. And, and Steven is, is horrified and, and kind of like, confronts Lizzie about it. he's like I thought you were gonna break up with him and and then um and then she does and uh there's Jason Siegel he finds him crying in the in the bathroom uh and then Stephen being the nice guy that he is ends up deciding to help Eric win back Lizzie um so actually um there's there's a clip um of of Jason Siegel crying that's very funny that I brought I think right the uh, creep conversation uh yes, yes yeah yeah this beer tastes good yeah. That's probably because you got some leftover pulp. I'll explain that in a second. <laughs> Lizzie's right, you know. She's too young to be committed to somebody right now. It's like that song, If You Love Someone, Set Them Free. Did you ever hear that? No. No, I haven't. <laughs> well, it's true. I suck at setting her free, you know. All, <laughs> all these stupid calendars and photo collages... <laughs> And pillowcases. <laughs> you th- is that too much? Do you think? <laughs> no, I, I, I'd like it. Dreaming of you. What was I thinking? Should have written, "I'm your worst nightmare." <laughs> or, uh, I don't sleep because I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not sleeping. I'm busy stalking you. <laughs> but when you're not there, I put on your underwear and sleep in your bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a psycho! <laughs> I'm a psycho! <laughs> I'm an idiot. And that's that, that I'm a psycho thing is like what he does so well, which is like, you kind of are like, like, <laughs> yeah. but you're like self-aware about it. But um, it's, but it's like such a great Jason Siegel character because yeah. it's right on the line of like, he is and he isn't like, right. you know, yeah. he's basically yeah. decent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're exactly. not scared yeah. for Lizzie if she decides to stay with no, him. No, certainly not. And, um, and it's just, that scene is, is just one of those really nice moments from that show where they sound like kids, you know, yeah. and, but and it's, it's really believable. And like, they're all kind of decent people, you know? And, um, 
but it's also, you know, funny at the same time. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of like the A plot of, of the, of that episode. And, and, and Eric, the boyfriend does come back in later episodes and Steven does sort of get the girl. Um, but this is like kind of the first time we've seen him really have any like real agency in the kind of pursuit of this girl. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, he kind of thwarts himself because he's, you know, a nice guy. Um, and then he goes with Eric to the, to the store. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. He, um, he like, they go to the copy shop and they make this like silly, like heart shaped, you know, candy, chocolate box, like with pictures of her, which is also, it's all kind of crazy. And like these like (laughs) paper roses and stuff. Um, and that, you know, alone is enough to, um, put them back together. And there's a funny scene at the very end when, uh, they're saying goodbye and it's all this kind of kissy kissy, like I'm going to miss you. And, and, and he drives away and Steven says, when is he coming back? And she says, Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of college, you know, yes. uh, silly way. So, so yeah, that's the a plot. And then the kind of B one is, uh, with, which the beer was referenced. Um, and there's a clip for that too. It kind of sets it up. I think. Sure. Come on, have a drink. Those guys over on the, uh, the multicultural floor, they, they can right. finish it. So, uh, the keg, we got to return by six, but the beer within the keg, it's all ours, baby. Count me out, guys. I'm the designated lover. <laughs> okay, let's go. We're not roommates until we kill a keg together. Come on, just do this with me. It, 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 it's fun. So, yeah, so basically <laughs> the, it's this silly bit where they just have to, like, they're just drinking this, like, crappy beer that's warm and gross. Out, out of the every receptacle. Out of, right. yeah, bowls, I had to and, empty yeah. out the keg, so it's my yeah, favorite like, little yeah. bit was the, uh, using the, like, Subway promotional NFL helmet <laughs> right. upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. later on in the show, yeah. he's, you find out he's put some into a squirt bottle. Yes, yeah. that was like, my yes, favorite. Yeah, he spraying he sprays him in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just this really, like, very college Yeah, very yeah. college And that show did such a good job of, like, really depicting the ramblingness of college. Mm-hmm. Like, the way you're yes. just... There, there are so many afternoons where you're just fucking doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it <laughs> feels true. like you're doing something, you know? Yes. Um, and I just think that it's, like, a really... It's just a little bit heightened, you know, for TV. But, like, it's, it's relatable at the same time. Like, I once, you know, um, carried a... a the bag that comes in a box of wine or like around <laughs> to, in, in a Tupperware container to a friend's house because like we were broke and that was, it was booze. It's just like, what well, you know, so it's like p- kids do sad things, you know, in college. Um, um this was last week. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. This was this morning. Um, I brought the one here. Um, it's in the fridge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like, it, it's like, that's the comedy plot. And then there's also, also a C story about uh, <laughs> Monica Kina and the weird guy, Marshall, like getting a bird that, um, that's a little bit like silly, but like, um, also just kind of wacky drunk college. Well, kid and stuff. it leads up to that God. great scene in the quad or right. whatever, yeah. where hey, they approach Birdman. the people like, hey, Birdman, he walks yeah. up and they're and he's like, he's got a cane, like a pimp <laughs> cane <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. And then just like the suspense as like the bird gets agitated and it's like <laughs> yes. cross cutting yeah. to everybody. Yes. Yeah. And there's a great line when they're at the pet store and it's, uh, uh, it's Mike White, Mike White who's playing the yeah. pet shop owner, um, and he's like, he, he was in a fourth grader's classroom for ten years, so you know you don't poke him or something. Like <laughs> don't that. poke him with chalk. Yeah, 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 with chalk, right? Yeah, there's just this like this like distraught like yes. bird. Yeah, um, the montage of the pet store was so really great. He tries out. out he he Rachel's idea, the Monica Kina character, is like you need to just have something to set you, you apart. Right. Doesn't yeah. matter what it is, yeah. and so they go in and they say he needs something he can wear. Right. right so he tries right. out a snake and like a ferret. Yeah, and then there's a really funny joke with the ferret where he's like, oh, it kind of looks like you to Mike White. Mike's like, yeah, people say that. <laughs> and he's not insulted. No, he's no, just, he's like, yeah, takes yeah, it yeah, in stride. And with the snake, he's got it around his neck. And he's like, is this poisonous or anything? He's like, yeah, it didn't say on the box. <laughs> right, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so that's just like this like silly, you know, um, little bit. And yeah. I, I I like that, that storyline because uh, Rachel, right, the Monica Kini character, she... Um, she could be kind of just like the dumb bimbo, like mm-hmm. kind of hot girl, but he, she's not. I yeah. mean, there's like nuance and she's like, again, she's like likable and fun yeah. and yep. funny and like, um, seems like a real person. So, yes. and then this is one of those stories where she kind of exhibits that, you know, and, yeah. and the show also did a really good job of kind of pairing people up for different storylines, you know, yeah. um, in the beer plot line, Seth Rogen, who's on the show has a little, has a couple scenes with Charlie Hunnam, I think his name is, yeah. who's on, um, Sons of Anarchy now. Yes. Um, Plus and, all, that, all those muscles. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 
like they have this little thing where Seth Rogen wants to be his pal and like because he thinks they're the cool ones and <laughs> and it's just like and they have you know it's just it feels right you know yeah. and it feels like really I, I picked this episode in particular because because of the Jason Siegel stuff which is really funny but mm-hmm. um, it's just so emblematic of like the energy that that show had that it was kind of low key but like but like you know laugh out loud funny but yeah. but um but also kind of real so yep. yeah that's that was my choice what i loved about one very small thing that i loved about this episode was this has the scene where uh steven's in the shower and he's doing the i'm, I'm a, sexy a sexy robot, robot song <laughs> oh, yeah, which yeah, in my yeah. memory was like two minutes long and was the whole thing because it's so like burned into my brain is like one of the things i love about undeclared was yes. that scene yeah and it like takes like literally it's, seven seconds it's just, like an aside I'm a sexy yeah. robot a robot who likes sex and that's yeah. the whole thing but it's yes. like i always remember that as just being a huge thing thing about undeclared yeah i also i think i was confused as to uh what this episode was before i watched it because there's another episode where jason siegel like, eric, eric visits, visits again, again. Yeah. Yeah. and that's the one where he finds out that steven and lizzie had sex yeah and he he chases them to the mortal combat theme song yes, he through does. The, throughout the entire campus yep. that's right. what a great song it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. it really it's really is. one of the best cheesy songs and it's there, like right? and that show really capitalized on exactly what you yeah. want that song for yeah. um I love this series. I just, I remember watching it was on. Freaks you just Geeks, cited it in a mini recently. I did. Yeah. And Freaks and Geeks was a show that I know was like beloved and canceled too soon, but that was a show I didn't watch until after it got canceled. And mm-hmm. Undeclared, I actually watched while it was on, while it was being yanked around in yeah. terms of like episode order and stuff like that. The episode order thing was insane. I mean, actually, this, so this aired second. Yeah. And the episode where Lizzie tells everyone that she has a boyfriend aired months later. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. 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 I, I can't imagine watching it like that. No, it was ridiculous and nonsensical but get the dvd set and you can watch it through in the intended order and it's really great um again it's a just really great characters they Mm -hmm. really like you said they were able to mix and match and sort of pair them up in different episodes really well i liked that we got ron and and lloyd uh, in the storyline together, they had the scene where they get so drunk that they start punching each other yes. in the yeah. chest and shoulder, <laughs> and it just sort of increases in fury, but they never quite graduate to punching in the face. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, and the, neither of them really wants to do it. Right. They're just so grim, and but neither one wants to back down either. Right, exactly. And then you have the thing the next day where like Lloyd like, taps him on the shoulder, and he's like, ow, it just yeah. makes yes. so sore. Very college, very like, just like Super n- college. 19-year-old guys, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it feels it rings true it had a really great sense like you said of just sort of the aimlessness of all those days mm-hmm. just sort of like trying to find something to do uh no character really was uh such a type you know what i mean like no. even steven like steven's sort of like the pip squeaky you know nerdy sheltered college guy but mm-hmm. also like he had a lot of dimension to him and it was super yeah. easy to root for him yes um i really really love jay baruchel in that role and this episode specifically the jason siegel stuff really makes it uh really memorable the scene that you clipped of them in the in the bathroom uh where seagull's just sort of like talking about how crazy he is is really as that's the series the goes or in the shower stall right bedroom. no no, no that's in the bedroom yeah you find them you're right you're right, yeah, you're right. Yeah. um but that's really like it's iconic for the series i think seagull looks so skinny too he looks so young thing. and yeah. then i was yeah. like well it was 12 years it ago. was it was a long, a long time, time ago <laughs> it looked a lot younger monica kina was only on like one of her several Oh. Facial procedures, sad. Yeah, lip filler. The bees hadn't gone to her But yeah, I really love the series. Love this episode, especially. Me too. Yeah, to me, this series is Big Bang Theory done right. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, yep. And yep. for all the terrible over the topness that Big Bang Theory employs week after week, this is sort of like the truer. You assume you've never watched that lean- show. I've seen enough to know. You've seen well. That's true. Enough you've seen promos. Know. That's enough to know. I've seen enough to know. <laughs> okay. I hear telling this truth. I have seen <laughs> enough to know um, that this, I think, strikes the great balance between goofy absurdity and sort of true experience. You know, you see enough of what you went through in college to to relate, but there's enough oomph, unlike, say, a show like Girls we were talking about earlier, yes. where you actually are engaged. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is a more of a zany comedy versus, mm-hmm. you know. But not so zany. No, no, no. But, um I think Apatow does a much better job with the male characters than he does with yes. female characters. Obviously, as a rule, that's not a great insight. Everybody knows that. And mm-hmm. I think the, the female characters in this show are a little, uh, they could be stronger. Uh, but the male characters, I think, you know, they he spread the at- attributes among them very well. Yes. Um, and um, Jay Baruchel character, 
Um, I kind of like in in the difference between freaks and geeks in this one, where he is the sole representative of that type of person, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of weight on his shoulders not to descend into um, stereotypicalness. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, you would think he would be eternally awkward with the ladies, never yeah. get anywhere. Where he actually is um, a, a geek, but he you know lives in the real world and he scores points, he mm-hmm. loses points, he has second thoughts about mm-hmm. actions and yeah. to me um that makes the it mellows out what you could think of the zanier parts of the show and makes it all work a lot better like you know beer in a squirt bottle and stuff like yes. that and, you know the guy walking around with the parrot and the pigs and stuff like that so um, oh yeah the pig i forgot yeah about the pig. so um that's why i say yes yeah, watching this too, I'm, I was reminded because Judd Apatow not only produced the show and created it, he wrote this episode with Rodney Rothman. Ah, uh, I see. And it was directed by John Hamburg, who also did I Love You Man, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a lot of talent behind this. And, and watching it, I was think I thought, which as I also do when I rewatch Freaks and Geeks, he's so much better at creating TV shows than he is at making movies. And yeah. you can tell it's because he puts so much care into creating these characters, like you were saying. That Richard, that that you you see, you you can imagine when he gets to a movie, he doesn't want to let them go, and that's why yeah. sometimes I feel so like long. his movies are over long, especially funny people. Yeah, which because was five he, hours long, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're still watching it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But but then you could, but if you watch it, you can think if this were broken up into like a nine episode TV series, sure. it would be so much more interesting yeah. and yes. more fun. Yeah, and yeah. so I feel like this this is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. That it, you know, and the casting is excellent too, and the music is well chosen. Like it's yeah. all he, he, so much care is put into this and love. Yeah. Um, that it's really sad when you think there was only one season. I know. Um, and that's really all I have to add. This it was a great episode. And I loved um, Seth Rogen's when they he has a discussion with Lloyd when they're sort of drunk, where Lloyd asks him what his favorite movie is. And, oh right, and Ron, think about that. And Ron says. I tell people it's Red Dawn, right? But really, it's You've Got Mail. Well, then they have a whole discussion about You Got Mail as they're that's watching it. That's what causes the fight because Lloyd yeah. is super bored. They do decide to watch it, yeah. and Lloyd is bored and tries to leave. And and Ron is like, "Well, do you want to pause?" He's like, "That's okay." And then he's like, "But you won't know what happens." And then he tells him the whole plot yeah. and down to the Louis Armstrong down song. To the yeah. Louis Armstrong yeah. song. Yeah. It's just a again. We were talking about yeah. specificity with girls. This yeah. is like all of that is so yeah. well observed. Well, and then they make up later by Lloyd being. Like, like Greg Kinnear is a really likable. He is actor. very likable. <laughs> yeah, and he's like Hank's top notch as ever, yeah. or something. Yes, yeah. Lloyd is is uh, deployed to excellent um, effect in yes. the show yeah. too, because yeah. they could have really overused him, and he's just he's just so just, handsome. Just a, just a sprinkling of Lloyd is enough. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I I think this is an excellent choice and an excellent show. Yes. Well done, Richard. Yes. Well Thank done. you. So Joe, to make it official, your vote. Yes. All right. Three for three. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Victory. Yeah. Okay, Undeclared, Eric Visits, Season 1, Episode 3. You are hereby inducted into the Extra Hot Great Canon. Americans love a winner. Yup. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for Winner and Loser of the Week. And who has our winner? Me. Winner of the week is Jimmy Fallon, who has landed in his first late night appearance of this uh, presidential campaign, Mr. Barack Obama, who will be on the show um, this week on what, Tuesday, what Tuesday night. Are they gonna play? I was going to say beer pong. Beer pong? <laughs> beer pong? Please beer pong. Oh, I bet it's not beer pong, but I would love to see the president play Pictionary because I bet he's amazing. Oh, that's probably very true. Um, so congratulations, Jimmy Fallon. Suck it, John Stewart. <laughs> uh, loser of the week, Kelsey Grammer, mm. who uh, oh, his salad got tough. Oh dear! Like it's always like one step forward, two step back for Kelsey. Like recently, like without like he was on the stars show and boss. boss got such great reviews and everything and now he's on the internet with a photo of him getting a tattoo of his wife's name on his hip first of all on your hip and also don't <laughs> photograph it spot. and also don't put it out on the internet and the like that would be bad enough on its face mm-hmm. but the whole meta narrative of like if you told me two years ago that the public opinion of kelsey Grammer versus camille Grammer <laughs> would be where it is right now where yeah. camille is beloved now by everybody who watches is she? she was the best one this okay. season. She redeemed I herself. I really thought All she right. was great okay. this season. I apologize. She started off really, really low, and like people could understand, like, but now like completely has reversed. Now Kelsey is uh, 
I don't know. It just seems pathetic now. Plus, and she's not coming back, high. right? And she's not coming back, which is another point in her favor. Right. Yeah. Yes. So bad, bad decisions, yeah. Kelsey Grammer. Good choice. Do you know what time it is, guys? Yeah, it's game time. It's game time. All right, it is game time. This is our fourth game time of the season. Joe with a commanding 3 nothing lead. Today we are playing Timeline. Timeline. Timeline like is from Jennifer B., Okay. Um, she will get an extra credit for her uh, hard work. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, extra credits are when you, as a listener, uh, send us something that we use, such as a canon or a game time. You get to tell us what to do for a extra hot great mini, which is our daily podcast. Okay. Timeline has, get this, 10 rounds. Okay. Okay. Each round has four movies set in a certain time period. Mm-hmm. We're going to go from oldest to most recent. I will read... Five actors from the movie in question. Oh, my God. <laughs> leading up to the lead actor and director. Uh-huh. Okay? This is how it's going to work. First person to give me the answer gets the points. You can you only get one guess. Then okay. you're out. Okay. okay? Correct, uh, guess correctly after the first actor, you get a whopping five points. Whoa. After the second, four. After the third, okay. three. Yep. And so on. Yep. The last actor is worth one point or the director is worth one point. Okay? Okay. All right. So, you can answer anytime you wish, as I said. Okay. You only get one guess. Right. So, if you want to go for the five points, you screw up. That's it, but guys. Okay. The example. Okay. The period is the 1950s. Okay. Your clues are Diddy Khan, Jeff Conaway. Grease. Grease was the right answer. I will continue if you didn't get that. Stalker Channing, Olivia Newton-John, John Travolta, director Alan Carr. Answer okay. is So, I would have gotten four points. You would have got four points okay. on that one. Okay. Okay. Does that make right. sense? I'm going to get yes. exactly So no make points. sure you are <laughs> keeping track of how many points. So when you, you say the getting. time period, it's obviously the time period that I will the announce. Movie takes set place is set. Yes. yes. Is set. Not yes. made in. No. Right. Set. Well, it could be both, but right. we're going for setting. Okay. All right. Mm. <laughs> oh no! I'm missing my uh, my little loopy thing. I'm moving it, and there we go. <laughs> Phew! All right. We're starting off with antiquity. Okay. Movie set in antiquity, okay. and nice my personal note is asterisk more or less. There's one that could be argued; it is in fact not in antiquity. But here we go. Ready? Right. Damon Hansu, Gladiator. Five points for Gladiator. Jeez. Richard Harris, Connie Nielsen, Joaquin Phoenix, Russell Crowe, Ridley Scott. All right. Hume Cronin, Pamela Brown, Rex Harrison, Richard Burton, Cleopatra. Two points. Terry Gilliam, Graham Chapman. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, four points. Teresa Ann Savoy, Helen Mirren. Caligula. Nice. Two points. Wow. Oh, sorry, four points. Wow, I didn't think anybody was going to get that one. I thought that might go down to the director, <laughs> Bob Guccione. All right, we're now moving on. We're concentrating on the 1900s turn of the century nebulous area. This could bleed okay. into the 1800s a little bit. Okay. Okay? Yep. Dylan Frazier, Barry Dell Sherman, Paul F. Tompkins. There will be blood. Three points. Paul Dano, Daniel Day-Lewis. Jeez Louise. All right. Turn of the century, 1900s. Kylie Minogue. Moulin Rouge. Ah! Five points. Good job, Joe. Thanks. Henry Jones, not Indiana Jones' dad. The actor. Strother Martin, Catherine Ross... Robert Redford. Oh, oh, oh. Nice. <laughs> that is two points. Yay. Good job. I'm on the board. Okay. Our last of the 1900s. Sarah Gadon, Vincent Castle, Kira Knightley, Michael Fassbender. Dangerous Method. Correct for two points. 1920s. Lucy Liu, John C. Riley. A shot here. Richard Whoever said that. Chicago. Richard okay, did. first. All right. Well, where uh, like three, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, on Richard Gere is third. Yeah, three. Three points. Moving on. Charles Martin Smith. Andy Garcia. Untouchables. Nice. All right, four points. Uh, okay. John Polito. John Turturro. Oh, uh, oh. Miller's Crossing. 
Do I get four Three points? points? Four points. Four points. Yeah. All right. Last one in our 1920s. Mm-hmm. James Cromwell, John Goodman, Uggy, the artist. Yeah. <laughs> Uggy. Oh, Three points. All right. Who got that? That was a miscue. <laughs> okay, let's get a score break. Tara, how many points do you have? Fifteen. And Richard? Um, five. <laughs> okay, a lot of games still. Don't worry about it. And Joe? Uh, twenty-one. Okay. No! <laughs> I'm gonna tell it's you why. Eagle. Yeah, no, it's because that's where the loop. I'm just gonna move it right now. Okay. 1930s. John Rees Davies. And yeah, uh, Raiders of the Last Ark. Four points. Four points. Oh, Just sorry, five guy. points. Yeah, yeah. Good catch, Ariana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing has ever been more important than this game. <laughs> Moving on. Holly Hunter. John Goodman. Tim oh, brother, where are thou? Three points. Nice. Alex Cara- Caras? Alex Caras. Caras. Victor Victoria. Wow. All right. Five. And our last one from 1930s, Bob Hoskins. Ladette Bro- McKee. Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Diane Lane. Gregory Hines. Richard Gere. Oh, Cotton Club. I heard Cotton Club. Joe. Who got it first, Joe? Yeah. Okay, one point. 1940s. Movies set in the 1940s. John Lovitz. Laurie Petty. Wow. Who got that? Me. All right. Okay, three points. <laughs> James Donald. Seisu Hei Akawa, Jack Hawkins, Alec Guinness, William Holden, director David Lean. Uh, the River Queen. Ah, yes. Correct Shit. for one point. Sydney Greenstreet, Claude Rains, Peter Lorre. Casablanca. Correct. For three? three? Three points. And our last for 1940s, Steve Buscemi, John Mahoney, Judy Davis, John Barton Fink. Nice. Two points. John Turturro, directed by the Cohen brothers. Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Barton Fink. <laughs> Barton Fink. <laughs> All right, 1950s, guys. Movie set in 1950s. Jeffrey Jones, Sarah Jessica Parker. Edward. Four points. Nice. Danny DeVito, Kevin Spacey. LA Confidential. Four points. Tracy Lords, Ricky Lake. Crybaby. Pa- nice. Four points. Robert Duvall. Sally Kellerman, Tom Skerritt, Elliot Gould, Donald Sutherland, directed by Robert Altman. One point. All right. Yes. All right. (laughs) Score break. Tara. Uh, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 39. All right. Richard? Um, I'm still at five. Thanks. All right. (laughs) And Joe? 33. All right, 1960s. Movies set in the 1960s. By the way, we're going up to the 1990s. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Tongue Fan Tran. Robert Wall. Mm. Bruno Kirby. Forrest Whitaker. Oh. Robin Williams. Oh, oh, good by, Morning Vietnam. Yeah. Correct nice. for one point. So racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even know that's yeah. wrong. <laughs> I can't say who the real person is because it might be later in the game. Karen Allen. John Vernon, Stephen Frost, Tim Matthews. America- oh, uh, John Pucci. <laughs> one point. Not America. The hardest point. The Killing Fields is a Killing <laughs> All right. Norman Fell, William Daniels, Catherine Ross, and Bancroft. Two. Two points. All right. Our last 1960s set movie Adrian Zemed. Marine Teppi. Three, two. Correct. Oh, four points. <laughs> Lorna Luft. Wow. That's a great name. Well done. Michelle Pfeiffer. Liza Minnelli's sister. Maxwell uh, Caulfield. Right? Yeah, yeah, and he's the lead. Yeah. All right. We are now dealing with movies set in the 1970s. Okay. Paul Simon. Carol Kane. Tony Roberts. Diane Spinal Keaton. Tap. Woody mm-hmm. Allen. Annie Hall. One point nice. for Annie Hall. John Batham. Joseph Call, Karen Lynn Gorney, Donna Pascal, John Travolta. Saturday Night Fever. Nice. One point. Rory Cochran, Sean oh, Andrews. Nice. Richard, Richard got it. Four points. Oh, wait, uh, yeah, four points. Good job. All right, our last 1970s set movie James Franco, 
Diego Luna, Milk. Correct for four points. Josh Brolin, etc. Gus Van Sant directed. Well done. 1980s. Getting recent. This is our second last category. Ray Walston. Judge Reinhold. Uh, Fast Eddie Cakes. Three points. Jared Leto. Chloe Sevigny. Chapter Reese Witherspoon. Girl Interrupted. No. William Chapter Jeffo. 27? Christian Bale. American Psycho. Oh, I are you. Yep. Damn it. Want to take a guess? American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> I will take not. I will not take a point on that. No, you have no, to. No, you do. You have you to. Yes, you will. That's Joe's Jeopardy fault. people right. don't give away money right. when somebody right. else. How many points was that? Three? One, one point. One, one point. One delicious point. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton. Ben Johnson. Leah Thompson. Some C. kind of wonderful. Mm. Oh. C. Thomas Howell. Patrick Swayze. Oh. Yeah, uh, outsiders. <laughs> what did you say? Outsiders. And I said that too, and it's we're both wrong. It's Red Dawn. Oh, Red yeah. Leah Dawn. Thompson was not in the Outsiders. All right, our last 1980s film: Emma Bolger, Sarah Bolger. In America. Four points. All right, 1990s. Oh boy. Let's get a score break. Oh my we're god. Going our last score. Our last category. Tara, how many points do you have? 46. Richard? Uh, I'm sitting pretty with, I believe, 12. 12. Thank you. All right. And Joe? 45. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there are four more movies to go. Variable point opportunities. Mathematically, Richard, you're out, but you could play the spoiler here. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, I aim stay to in it. Just that. <laughs> okay. Are we ready? Yes. Steve, Steve's on. Janine Garofalo. Really Four points for Reality Bites. Melanie Linsky, Hank Azaria, Chloe Sevigny, oh, Peter Shattered Glass. Shattered Glass. <laughs> Two points. Well, Good job. Disco. Wasn't in the 90s. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. Our second last clue. This is really stressful. I'm freaking out. Remember, 1990s. <laughs> Ready? Yes. We're all collected ourselves? Yes. yes. Donald? It's Donald Faison. Paul Clueless. Rudd. Clueless. Clueless. Good Four job, points. Richard. All right. Our last question. Now, Tara, you're two points ahead, right? You have uh, four? Three points ahead. She's three points ahead. Okay. Three points ahead. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. yes. Sheila Kelly. Singles. Matt Dill. Singles. Wow. <laughs> Well, let's make it official. I quit the podcast. <laughs> Tara points. I don't want to say. Joe won. Good for Joe. Richard. Uh, I have 16. Thank you. Joe? 52. So I would deduce that Tara had 51 then, correct? No. 50. Or 50? Yes. All right. Congratulations, Joe. Thank you. Another yeah, congratulations, Joe. Thank you, Sheila Kelly. Joe. Oh, Tara's sad. That's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We took our legally mandated turn commenting on HBO's Polarizing Girls and then unwound with a trip to The Cabin in the Woods. Richard put up Undeclared's Eric Visits for nomination into the canon, and we declared it quite canon-worthy. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Joe was the winner of this week's Game Time. We are on Twitter at Extra Hot Podcast, Facebook at facebook.com slash Great. And on our site, extrahotgreat.com. Remember, we're listening. I am David T. Cole on behalf of Tara Ariano. No more money. And Joe Reed. Robot who likes sex. And Richard Lawson. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you right here next time on Extra Hot Great. No, no. You got Tom Hanks. You got Meg Ryan. You got a very likable Greg Kinnear. You know, you think you're you're better than it. Ooh, this movie's gonna suck. Then you watch it and it's it becomes a part of you. It's in you. <laughs>